When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McCoco. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a week so good, so good, that we are here on a Sunday, less than, I don't know, 15 hours after the fact, not even a full 24 hours. Uh, and we are talking Louisville football from the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, Press Meyer. Rotating the gang in and out show the last couple of days, but that's just how we do it. Building the roster out so that we can be versatile, have that depth. Uh, we're absolutely building that. And what a weekend, man. What a weekend. Louisville football wins in a top 20 matchup against Duke, 23 to nothing. A shutout. The first shutout, uh, I believe, of ACC in the ACC history for Louisville. Um, I saw that yesterday. Can't confirm that, but uh, we got some head nods. So I like that. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Welcome in. You know, it's, it's always good to have a, a victory Sunday, especially coming after that bye week where Louisville had to kind of just stew on that ghastly loss at Pitt, which just continues to look awful after how they got absolutely manhandled by Notre Dame. But I digress. They took care of business in front of them, and they did so for their first ever shutout against an AP-ranked opponent. So anytime you do that, it's pretty good. pretty good day at the office, I might say. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. Uh, no notes. I think we can just end this podcast now. And uh... <laughs> it might be our most listened to episode ever. Like, oh, they only talk for fifteen seconds. Great, thank, easy thank listen. God. Boom. That's they right. Shut their mouths. Well, we are from the Pink Seats Podcast on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. We thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe anywhere that you get your shows from. Follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. Uh, and, of course, check out the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, where you'll find all the work of one Matt McGavick, who has been working hard to bring you the coverage. Going to be right back at it tomorrow. Louisville basketball. Get a, get a little Yum Center gathering on a Monday. So, But, hey, let's talk about Louisville football, because when you are talking about a complete game, um, when you're talking about 
a performance that uh, you have to have to continue the conversation uh, of you being a program that can be talked about as a contender, not only for the ACC, uh, but also for, um, you know, uh, bigger things. And uh, we saw Louisville yesterday, Jeff Brom said on the broadcast that uh, he was asked, I don't know if you all heard this because you were both at the game, but they asked Jeff Brom, um, uh, the, the the PA team or the announce team, sorry, I'm struggling here to remember who the, who was on the call yesterday, Greg McElroy, and I cannot remember John the other guy's name. Yes, thank you. Thank you. They asked Jeff Brom if he thought he had an ACC caliber championship team, and he said, We'll know the answer to that after this game. Uh, and and we sure freaking do, man. Louisville now sitting in second place after an upset of uh, North Carolina yesterday by Georgia Tech. And Jeff Brom's got this team right where they need to be. The Pittsburgh lost a little harder to the stomach now because you could be sitting at 8-0 and and it could be a little bit different. But, hey, everybody needs to be knocked down a little bit. We have to do it to Matt every once in a while. you got to be reminded of your flaws, and then you can you can bounce back strong. And that's what Louisville did yesterday. Presley, just give me a little bit of the atmosphere of what the game was like from a crowd perspective. Uh, I'll get into why I was not at the game. Still very upset that I was not able to go. You know, and Vince and, and Vince Fashion would be very upset that it's a, a tummy that kept me from going. We'll get into that here in a few minutes. But uh, yeah. with Vince's iron gut. But Presley, tell me about the atmosphere at Cardinal Stadium yesterday at LNN Federal Credit Union Stadium. Sorry, I got to make yeah. sure I get that in there. Vince's stomach is just built different. I think that we've established that. Uh, the crowd, I would say the vibes weren't quite as good as the five-star gas station uh, on Saturday morning. Yeah, is that, is that true? The So the atmosphere, obviously, it's, it you know, coming off your last home game being against Notre Dame, obviously the atmosphere is going to be a step down. But I felt like there was this attitude in the stadium, which kind of surprised me that people just expected the win. Uh, definitely much more of a social atmosphere. And but I mean, still a good, loud crowd. Uh, I think a lot of people did the old trick where they just buy the cheapest ticket they can get and just stand on the the party deck the whole time Uh, because the party deck was jumping yesterday. Uh, Probably the most packed that I've seen it for a non night game ever. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, people are definitely invested in Louisville football, not quite to the extent that I expected. Uh, But those who are season ticket holders and the regulars are absolutely living it up my section did a much better job uh this game and i think that's mostly because there weren't a bunch of sellouts that sold their tickets to notre dame fans uh so it was back to a lot of the normal people uh so that was nice uh duke presence a little bit heavier than i expected as well uh but you know i think a lot of those duke basketball fans are coming out of the woodworks as well so uh and and anytime you play a blue team it's a good chance for uk fans to show up so hey saw, saw a little bit of that as well but atmosphere pretty Pretty much any as much as you could expect, given the the situation, especially considering that it rained for probably the last, I don't know, what would you say, last hour, Matt? Last yeah, hour. So it also didn't help that it – I don't know what it seemed like from your guys' perspective, but it seemed like Duke had an abnormal amount of injuries in this game. And after a while, I I I couldn't tell if they were legit injuries or if they were just, you know, oh, like, you know, mm, like go down real quick. Like it, 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 that thought crossed my mind at one point because the third quarter was just at a snail's pace. Yeah. Because you guys kept falling down. You never want to be that person that's like overreacting about a number of injuries because obviously you never want to make light of somebody actually legitimately getting hurt. Right. Uh, But when the old lady in front of us is literally calling the Duke players pussies, um, I I think that's a good indicator of. Cover your ears, kids. 
what was going on. Yeah, excuse me. You can bleep that out if you want, Jacob. Sorry. Um, that's probably a good indicator of, of what's going on. There was a lot of, and I don't know if you can see this on the broadcast, Jacob, there was a lot of guys going down that it didn't seem like they were even a huge part of the play. And just, st- you know, basically it, it sounded like the, or it seemed like the staff just kind of told dudes, like, if anything happens at all, just stay down. Like, we want to just muck this up and make it as ugly and slow as possible. Uh, there was number 63, an offensive lineman for Duke, was down and and forced us to go into a commercial break twice on the same offensive possession. He did. Two plays apart. That was yeah. hilarious from home, actually. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, that guy's just like, no, nah, fuck this. In, I don't want to play in unison, In unison, me and the guy behind us both stood up and said, it's the same guy! <laughs> like, because he got – he seriously got hurt. I think it was like their first offensive play of the third quarter. He got hurt, and then immediately he, they they went to a TV timeout, three minutes and twenty seconds. God, I hate that guy when he brings out the numbers. Hate that guy. Uh, and then you ever notice that that guy also has like no business being on the football field. Typically, there's like a large belly overhanging his pants. Like his jacket's a little too they're, small. They're always the doesn't the fit. Yeah, it's, it doesn't. It's a, it doesn't matter where it is. Those guys are always built the same. It's so odd. Um, so you got three minutes and 20 seconds coming out of a timeout because Louisville just kicked the field goal. So so just picture this here with me. Three minute and 20 second timeout after Louisville kicked the field goal. Cards are up 20 to nothing. Duke comes out. Guy gets quote unquote hurt. Three minutes and 20 seconds on the clock and immediately the guy just jogs off the field. Duke runs another play. Then that guy gets to come back on because he has to sit the one play out. And immediately he quote unquote gets hurt again. And then they immediately go to the timeout, three minutes and 20 more seconds. So we're talking nine. No, that's 10 minutes. That's literally 10 minutes of, of TV timeouts. And yeah, in and, the span and of three plays. That's coming off of the, the longest drive I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I don't yes. even know how you could run 17 plays and go 100 yards. I don't even know. That drive was, was nuts. That was, it was, oh, it was amazing. Perfect football. It, it would have only been better with a touchdown to Jamari Thrash. But, you know, it, it, you'll settle funny. for a field goal. Yeah, it's it's funny because that that drive is almost like the antithesis of what Jeff Brom represents offensively. Because I mean, and he has said at various points in the years since he's taken the job that he's kind of evolved as a coach. So like, what his actual like game plan is going into like some days you're gonna have to pass the ball a lot, some days you're gonna have to run the ball a lot. This was one of those games that fell into the latter category. And Jeff Brom, as much as he didn't like having to play like a low risk style of football, that's kind of what they had to do against this Duke team. And they executed it to perfection. They did. They, they, uh, they really, they really did, man. And I felt like from the play calling perspective that looking back on it, I really, after Tyler Griever, I think is the one that asked the question about uh, Jeff, like growing as a head coach and this being kind of like an evolution of his career. It was amazing to see the opposite of what we saw against Pittsburgh. He kind of went back to his norm. And then in this game, it was like, okay, I'm going to continue to like in the second half, you kept thinking like, maybe you'd start to see them throw the ball more. Maybe they start to do like outside of the fake flea flicker. They really didn't do anything crazy play calling wise, but it was just executed on when to run the football, when to throw the football, when to continue to pound jaws, like and and when you get Isaac in there, when you get Mo in there, they really, I mean, he was in his bag coaching and play calling in this game, and it was really on full display. What's crazy to me though is that um, they only they only had eleven completions. If you had told me that 
Like I would have, I mean, Jack only threw the ball 16 times yesterday. Uh, that's the opposite of what Jeff Brom has done historically. They ran the ball 48 times. Like it's incredible. And, and I said that on the, the preview uh, just a few days ago, like this is going to be a game where uh, like you don't throw the ball. Like you don't take a lot of deep shots because Duke has a really good secondary. So like, not only do you have to, you know, if you're going to throw the ball, you have to set them up to be comfortable, especially coming off that pit game. But you you can't really take a bunch of risks just because of how Duke operates defensively. What I didn't foresee them was like barely opting the, to throw the ball at all and kind of having their way with Duke's front seven when it came to running the ball. Because I know something that I'd been slightly critical of for Louisville's offensive line is that for as good as they have been pass blocking, run blocking has, when you look at the events, advanced stats there, it hasn't been something they've really excelled in. This game, they they looked really good when it came to opening holes for Jaws, for Isaac, for Maurice. That it, it was nice to see them take a step forward because like as as good as Jaws is as a running back, and he's damn good. It's it's kind of making him work harder than he has to if he has to like get through a hole that's only maybe as big as him. Yeah. If he does yeah. though, he goes fast, like real fast. I mean, he's the the speed right out of the backfield. I can't remember anyone outside of Lamar Jackson that had that kind of burst that quick. Javian Hawkins was fast, but it took him, you know, a little bit get going. Jaws is just like just like that. He is. It really struck me uh, the way that that Brom managed the game, similar to what you would see an NFL team do. Uh, in the NFL, <clears throat> you know, you have a lot of guys coaching and playing for a lot of with a lot of money on the line you know it's their careers and so you don't often see as much gimmicky stuff like you're not you're you very rarely see offensive play calling and game management like you see with the dolphins right you're more often going to see game management like the patriots or like uh, i'm trying to think of another example the bucks or the falcon cowboys probably a good example cowboys tries to run the ball yes play action yeah it it was That's a lot right. of the, the game management to me um, wasn't conservative. I think it was more of this coaching staff realizing that they can just like, I know we said, we talked about outduting Notre Dame, right? But they, you can play just really solid football, disciplined football, not turn the ball over and win games going away that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you, you know, like, like there were a lot of chances yesterday that, that Jeff Brom had to, you know, they were basically in their own territory twice and, and, or in the opposing territory twice and punted, which is something that you wouldn't have seen in previous games. Oftentimes on, you know, like a third and eight or third and 12 or something like that, instead of trying to take a big shot, you know, they just took the chunk play whenever needed. Uh, Jack Plummer didn't try to overdo anything. Uh, if he got, you know, typically if he would have gotten flushed out of the pocket and tried to make a play or try to make an aggressive throw, it, instead he just ran out of bounds, took a sack, slid down, whatever he had to do, um, or just dumped it off to the to you know a guy. Even though he wasn't going to get a first down, he was taking the the easy way out, which is fine if your team's playing disciplined ball. You know, Louisville zero turnovers, uh, forced one turnover out of Duke, probably should have been two. Oh, you know, there was a yeah, a couple of drop picks, couple of near the 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 big fumble opportunity. 
I still don't know how Duke got that ball. Yeah, like, that I was, was watching pretty that impressive. real time, and that ball just like glitched Madden style into Duke's hands because it was just free. Yeah, Sorry, uh, but ahead. but yeah, just to just to kind of put a bow on on that thought, it just feels like it's a really good sign that going into the season, we said, okay, well, it doesn't really matter what exactly the pieces are that Jeff Brom and the staff have. Uh, you know, we know that they're creative enough and talented enough to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. While that's still true, this team has been good enough in the trenches. They've been good enough running the ball. They've been good enough on defense that they don't have to take those risks. They don't have to have the crazy, uh, you know, play designs. They don't have to take the crazy chances. They don't have to run, you know, like against Boston College, how they did the fake knee. Like none of that stuff was necessary to, to blank Duke, right? They just played really good quality football. And yeah, they made, maybe could have taken some more chances and made it more of like a 42 to 10 type of game. They said, no, it doesn't matter. We can win this game 23 to nothing and do it just in a very dominant workmanlike way. Yeah. Uh, and that's not something that we expected entering the season. Yeah, their first drive was a great example of what this game was going to be. Shout out to Jordan anytime. Uh, first touchdown scorer of the game. Check. <laughs> Big first bet of the year. We're hitting on Louisville. I've missed on a lot of Louisville uh, bets this year. That's why I don't put my bets out there publicly. Like, I don't need to be shamed more than I already am. Like, I I'll just let my bed my bad betting be in the group chats on the app and then between myself and a few select friends who won't shame me. So point being, though, that first drive, they come out and they go run, run, first down in two plays with Jaws. He goes, I mean, it felt like every run was a double-digit run or every two runs was a double-digit run. He got 12 yards in his first two carries. They throw to Chris Bell on first down. They come back. They pass the, or, uh, they pass to Jamari Thrash for seven first down. They go to Jawar, 18 more yards. They run a uh, – they try to get going laterally with Kevin Coleman. They pass again, and then they run, run, run uh, to the touchdown down um, and I love the fourth and one play on the, on drive one it set the tone of what this game was going to be for Louisville there's no shotgun there's no like you said press there's nothing sneaky we're outside of Jack's just running straight like when you're six foot five fall forward it's not that hard you got you know Dwayne Martin pushing your your ass forward hell yeah man let's do it Tush push all day long the pile push on Jaws I think I can't remember if it was his first or second mm -hmm. touchdown that was a thing of beauty. Yes, like, it was. That, you could tell that they came to play. They did. When they scored like that. Because, I mean, Jaws got stood up like a good four or five yards from the end zone. But he, they were able to get those extra few yards just because so many offensive linemen came screaming from behind and just pushing. Like You could tell that they were itching to play like the smash mouth brand of football that helped get them a win over Notre Dame. I think a common complaint in the Scott Satterfield era was on both offense and defense, there weren't enough people around the ball. Uh, on defense, you know, you'd see guys, you know, there's a huge complaint. Oh, you know, Scott Satterfield's teams are just poorly disciplined. They don't tackle well. Like we heard that, so, we and we said that after so many games where we just came away saying, this team does not tackle well. But they also put their players in positions where they had to make those one-on-one -on -one tackles. If you remember last year against Florida State uh, is a specific one that came to mind, or last year against Boston College. Yeah. You shouldn't have guys on those one-on-one -on -one situations where you miss one tackle and it's in, it's a house call. It, that should never be that sort of situation. And, and the same way on offense as well. Uh, last year, you know, if Jaws, Jaws broke off that run, he would have just been down at the five, or, you know, maybe he could have pushed his way forward a little bit it seems like they play more as a team and everybody finishes around the ball on both sides of the ball. 
you know, last, last or yesterday uh, against Duke, you know, we saw a lot of guys, you know, driving the pile, finishing off plays, even if they're not a ball carrier, getting in, making that extra block, just kind of uh, chipping away at, at some of the players. And on defense, the same way. You see five, six, seven, eight guys finishing at the ball on defense, just kind of gang tackling. Um, and that, I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. And again, it's, it's just that work, workman-like attitude. People know where they're supposed to be and they do, they do it well. Yeah. And even when they were put in one-on-one situations yesterday, they made plays, right? Like there was the, 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 Pass deflection by Storm Duck, I think on third down where he knocked the ball away from the defender's hands. There was a couple of others. Guys made plays. On um, you know, Ashton obviously would would win those one on one moments. Jared Dawson just absolutely destroyed that poor Duke interior lineman. I mean, that looked like a a absolute textbook bull rush from uh, a video game. And they did that all game long defensively. And it was really what allowed offensively for them to just come out, hold the ball, run the ball, and just destroy Duke from top to bottom. I mean, really, they set the tone. Now, let me tell you about destroying, okay? I, I was going to be at this game. I don't miss home games. I have season tickets, do the same thing every single week. No intentions on missing this game. This week, if, if you've got toddlers at home, you can probably understand my pain. We just went through RSV with the youngest. So already a lot of sickness in the house. Your boy caught a little bit of that, trying to recover. And then we get this message from daycare on Friday that says, hey, parents, be warned. There's a stomach bug going around classroom. Kids are picking it up. Symptoms are diarrhea and throwing up. Like, okay, we're good. We just went through RSV. Saturday morning, I wake up and hell has been unleashed from all ends, mostly the south end. And when I tell you, I, I've always stood by this philosophy that you're just one uncomfortable moment away from going viral. Yesterday, I refused to let myself be the guy who shit his seat in the stadium, like not happening. And so uh, I, I took the the morning to kind of think through what I was going to do. Uh, there was a tailgate planned. I had already purchased catering and tailgate food, was responsible for picking up said food, had every tension of being at this football game up until about an hour before it was time to go. And I just, I just couldn't do it. Uh, unlike Vince Lococo with the fried bologna sandwich, my stomach was not built for this. And so I had to stay home. And so I got a different perspective of the game. Um, and, and it was, I always enjoy watching games on TV. I prefer to be there, but I enjoy watching it on TV. Um, and to me, defensively, what stood out, I don't, I don't know if you all noticed this, uh, but typically the last couple of years, like you've known Louisville's defense was going to struggle because the secondary just screws up, right? Somebody slips, uh, a guy gets open, the Miami game a few years ago uh, when the poor safety gets turned around the wrong way, Marlon character. Uh, like that's always been historically the last couple of years, Louisville's defense. The secondary was so good yesterday that it really, uh, they didn't even really talk about it. Like it just was happening in front of you and you had to see it, but it allowed everyone else to play so much different, so much faster, so much more aggressive. You saw guys flying to the football. I mean, Jermaine Lole yesterday looks the healthiest we've seen, right? I, I mentioned Jared Dawson. Like these these guys are emerging. This defensive line is getting deeper and deeper. And and this show, I will champion, we have been talking about this since the offseason, the linebackers, we're on the roster, at least one. We didn't talk about Jalen Alderman enough, but we did a little bit. TJ Quinn, he is the difference for this defense. He and Cameron Kelly, they are so damn aggressive getting to the football, and they don't miss once they're there. Yesterday it, it, with Jordan Waters, I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know what it was, but it was like immediately 
uh, Duke's coaching staff is like, no, this isn't going to work. We can't, we can't, we can't do this. And immediately they turn to Jacquez Moore and he really doesn't get, get much of anything for Duke's offense. And when that rushing attempt, that rushing attack for Duke is gone. That's not the same team we have seen. Like Duke's a good team. I'm not here for Duke's not a good team. Riley Leonard has been banged up. Uh, I, I know that they're not what they were the first couple of weeks, but if you watch them, they, they were really, really good. Uh, but Louisville took away everything that they do at their core and he just wasn't healthy enough to make the throws i don't know what you all thought i was listening after the game uh to friend of the show played for clemson wow i know that's really bad we're gonna wow yeah i know all this eric mclean on the ACC eric. network shout out to shout out to eric sorry that press I I, like i'm literally like picturing him in my head he's it's been on like, the show more than you have dude yeah. <laughs> get, out of here, get out of here anyways listen to eric mclean after the game, ACC Network really glossed over uh, the Louisville Duke game. They stayed, Shocker. I don't know. So I don't know if you guys ever watched the ACC Network show. Uh, they, they typically are set up at the night game for the ACC Network, 730, 8 o'clock game. And then they have a live version of that show at the game. And typically, obviously, the first 15 or, or so minutes uh, will be on the game that they're at. And then they'll spend one segment each on each ACC game. So they kind of go around the horn. Uh, they basically just kind of glossed over Louisville's game. What Eric Eric basically said, you can't take too much away from the game, even though Louisville won 23 to nothing, because Duke is basically playing with their hand, with one hand tied behind their back is what he said. And we all knew that this would be the narrative, Eric. but it was just surprising to me that after the expectation going into the game, right, uh, you know, what was it? Four of the guys on game day picked Duke to beat Louisville straight up. Um, yes. But hey, listen here real quick. Here's my plug. The show on Fox, the big noon, it is infinitely better. I, for the first weekend, switch channels. Most people said it doesn't matter if you have Riley, Riley Leonard at all. They're going to play well. They played really well against Florida State. Why wouldn't they play well at Louisville? Louisville's coming off a bye and a loss. Like the expectation was. If Duke didn't win, it was going to be a close, very competitive game. And Louisville not only blew Duke out, it was they Duke never had a chance. Duke got what ran two plays over midfield. Am I wrong about that? I'd have to no, go I mean, look at the exact stat. They didn't yeah, have a red zone. Two plays over over uh yeah, they had one drive where they went two two yards past midfield. Right. And they had another drive where they did get past midfield, but it didn't finish past midfield. Right, right. So basically, two uh, on two possessions they got it. Whoa, into Louisville's into Louisville territory, but not even inside the thirty. Never inside the red zone. Like this was a dominant win. And if it's so bad, if it's so bad that their quarterback is playing with quote unquote one hand tied behind his back, don't you think that they would take out their quarterback for uh, Henry Beelin, who was pretty successful against NC State? I get Eric's point. I totally agree, right? This is not a healthy Duke offensive line. Their left tackle, I believe, is out for the year or was out for some amount of time. Uh, and then they lose, I believe, their left guard. Or that's the guy that went out twice because uh, he was like, no, nah, fuck this. I'm not playing in this game anymore. Goes out and 
then your whole left side of the line is essentially new. And they had three sacks in the first quarter after Duke had only given up five all year. So that's fine. But I also am not going to discount the fact that I think Louisville had a game plan that was built on coming in and just showing Duke is exactly what Vince Lococo said they were all along. Like Vince has been calling them a fraud since the offseason. We had a fraud alert almost immediately in this first quarter. Uh, and if Vince had been there, I'm sure he would have let them hear it. Um, and do hold on. First of all, do we know, did Bellerman beat Austin P on Saturday? Do we know if Vince got to see a W in Anna's last game of the year? Do we know? Uh, Research or oh. press, put that up on the screen. On the screen, please. Thank you. Yeah, we'll come back to that here in a second, uh, whether Bellerman won that game. Hey, let's talk about this, right? The red zone offense has been, it started out really good for this team. And then we've seen some struggles. Some of that has been Jack turning the football over. Some of that has been play calling. Some of that has been, you know, missed field goals, whatever you want to say. Uh, but that drive in the first half or the, at the beginning of the second half, what, 14, 17 plays, something like that. I mean, it was one of those yeah. those plays where you're just like, how, how many more plays can they run here? But they can't score. Tell me a little bit about what you all think about that when you talk about Louisville as a team top to bottom. Any concern? Mm, no, not really. Because, I mean, at first I thought – just kind of watching the game go along that. Okay. I was like, okay, they aren't having a ton of success passing the ball. And then I, it it didn't take until like after halftime that I was starting to realize like, okay, they're being intentional and not trying to pass the football. They're, they'll, they're trying to like, just be as methodical as they can rushing the ball. So with their struggles in the red zone, I, I don't necessarily chalk that up to maybe like a, something that could be a sore spot for Louisville. I kind of chalk that up to that was just Louisville's game plan heading into that game because like they were just trying to be decisive and running the ball and not really, you know, allow Jack Plummer the opportunity to make mistakes, I guess is just the, the, the nicest way I can put it because Duke's secondary is really good. And if you make even a little bit of a mistake, they're going to make, they're going to make you pay for it. So that it, it seemed like, they even when they did get in the red zone, they didn't want to pass the ball because they they got there running the ball. They're going to try and finish drives running the ball. I was kind of in a you know taking in the Anna Coco stats because they did defeat Austin P. Let's go dominant, dominant fashion three to one. How Anna many digs Coco does she have? Sixteen digs. Let's go. Does she have an extra year to transfer to Louisville? Straight up, like I want to know right now. Does she have a COVID year? I don't know. I, I, I'm not right, aware. We'll of have to follow. I'm up pretty with, sure with she's David played chastity after this. I'm pretty sure she's played five seasons already. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's she was honored. Anna Lococo to the um, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Anna. Shout out to the Lococo family. Just producing athletes left and right. Like I, I can only hope to parent at their level to pr- produce two D one athletes with my kids. I think I have potential. Liam's got the size. He's got the ability. Ruby, it's just about the interest, right? It's cheerleading, it's dancing. That that's still sports with scholarships. So we got we got a chance to get D one athletes over here. Press I, Rivers just a, a few couple of plays from going viral and becoming baby Gronk and getting him an LSU scholarship in a couple of years. So we're on the right path, bro. We're getting there. We're we're definitely getting there. I'd be interested in seeing what sport Ruby played because she's so aggressive. Uh, I wonder if she's going to maintain that aggression as she gets older. Or if it's going to be I, like one of those, she becomes a gentle giant. She, I think she, if she plays the sport, 
it's field hockey because of the outfits. One, she loves a good skirt. Like she is a total girl's girl. Like dresses are the reason why I am existing. Uh, so she could play field hockey and she's physical. Like, she was trying to beat me up before we started this, and she was she's tough. She's tough. Hey, but speaking of versatile athletes, I have this here. Um, first of all, I didn't realize this about him, but Evan Conley, I don't know if y'all know, Evan Conley got in this game as a quarterback, uh, handed the ball off this time. Um, and there was a, a holding call after a 10 yard, uh, run by Jawar. but how about our guy, Evan? I mean, football guy to its core playing special teams. Did, Matt, did you know this? Like where is the big I, J? Did you know? I, I straight up did not know this. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> What a fun fact about Evan Conley, man. And shout out to Evan because Evan underwent a pretty serious surgery, has fought back from a, you know, a hip injury. We saw Trayvon Young deal with some similar stuff a couple of years ago. That's, the, that's a real injury when you're our age and younger, a hip injury. Like that's not something you typically deal with outside of like a catastrophic car accident or something, some kind of fall. So shout out to Evan for getting back healthy enough to be able to play special teams, diving out for the ball, man. That is, that is just incredible. Like we need more football guys like that. I absolutely love it. Would anybody have thought that he was a guy that they bring in for quarterback running packages or a guy even coming into this year? I don't think anybody would have thought that. And definitely I love it. That man. speedy guy off the edge. Like who who sees Evan Conley as that like you know to block a kick. Like I feel like that would be if 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 I played college football, that would have been my position. Just like that dude's a little bit too crazy. Let's just let him fly around off the edge a little bit. Just try to jump and just, I mean, which that, that is, it's just a crazy part of sacrificing your body, dude. You're talking about a guy that had hip surgery doing that. Like he's falling full body out when he's diving to block a kick. Just incredible. So not only that, but okay. So you've kicked the football, right? And you understand that say you, you or I, Jacob or Matt, if we just were like out messing around with kids, be like 25 to 35 yard punts somewhere in there. College football kickers can kick the ball 60 yards through the air and they boom the shit out of those things. And so if you get your, if you put your face in front of one of those balls, yeah, uh, hell yeah, put your face in front of those balls. If you put your face in front of those balls, that's, that's dangerous. Closing thoughts before we go to a break here. We're going to come back on the other side. And we're going to talk big picture, me and Press. Matt, give me just what do you think Louisville is right now? Is Louisville, and that's kind of a loaded question, ACC contender, top 15 team? Do you think that you need to see a little bit more? Like final takeaway for you out of this Duke game as you head into Virginia Tech next weekend? Well, I certainly think they're an ACC contender. I, I, I think that's probably their ceiling. I, I don't think that they they have a chance to really get into the college football playoff at this point, just because that loss to Pitt just looks awful now. But I mean, they there are some concerns with the passing game and what version of Jack Plummer you're going to get on day in and day out. But I mean, everywhere else on this team. This is this is a, a team that's going to give opposing teams hands full. I mean, they have a, a very good running game. The offensive line, while they have some shortcomings, has been playing really good football. The defense, no matter what area of the field looks good, the defensive line has been creating a lot more disruption over the last few weeks. The linebackers, like we've said, they've looked really good. The secondary, they've covered phenomenally if they've if they're, you know, given the if they don't have if they don't have to cover for like, you know, five, ten seconds. But I mean, that's really any football team. But like, no, this is the team that 
I don't know if I would pick to beat Florida State if they got to the ACC championship because Florida State's really good. But this is most certainly a team that can get there. I mean, we, we've seen what this team can be. Uh, now it's just about can they continue that on a consistent basis? I mean, against Duke and, and Notre Dame, you saw that this team can play with some of the best teams in the country. And again, I don't want to hear anybody talking about, oh, well, you know, Duke was playing with one hand tied behind its back and blah, blah, blah. This is all – this is a situation where, you know, do, what was I trying to say? I totally lost my train of thought. Matt distracted me. We're just going to blame Matt on that one. Just edit that part out. I don't know. Okay. Um, all right. No, but you, you've seen what this team can be uh, against Duke and Notre Dame, and now uh, we're just looking to see if Louisville can continue the consistency – uh, that you saw against those teams. And really all it's going to be, all it's going to come down to is focus. We know the level that they can play at, but can they stay at that level? Can they keep the 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 foot on the gas for the rest of the season? If they can do that, uh, you know, th- th- this can be one of the best finishes to a season in school history. That's right. That's right. All right. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll quickly just kind of high level 30,000 foot view. This uh, look at where Louisville goes from here. Virginia Tech on Saturday. Uh, ACC uh, rankings. Obviously, Louisville is sitting pretty. Uh, the, we're going to see updated top twenty-five rankings by the time this podcast drops. We'll kind of look and see maybe where we think Louisville might fall. Uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, hey, Louisville sports betting is officially live in the state of Kentucky. Sports betting sites are offering new betters tons of awesome bonuses started and we've made it super easy for you to find bit.ly slash state of global so you can maximize your first bets to each time you sign up for one of the promotions you're directly supporting our show so if you're looking to sign up for any new kentucky sports books head over to bit.ly slash state of global for our top offers that's bit bit.ly forward slash state of global offers are only available for new customers who are 18 plus 21 plus select sport sports books and physically present in kentucky please gamble responsibly if you one has a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER shout out if you're looking for the best chili in the city check them out we'll be right back on the other side Okay, so Louisville comes in. They beat a top 20 team. We're sitting with a nice record here. I mean, talking about being 7-1, and 4-1 and one in the conference, 18th ranked team in the country. When you look at the top 25 uh, this past week and where things shook out, a little bit of movement. Like, you're going to see some type of movement this week. Um, just trying to scroll through here. You obviously have Oklahoma, who was in the top 15. They fall. Oregon State, 11th ranked team. They fall to Arizona late last night in the Pac-12. That conference continues to be just the weirdest thing going in college football. Utah, 13th drops, and then North Carolina. So, I mean, realistically, Press, we're looking at top 15, looking maybe even like top 12, top 13, uh, based off of will win and they're going to move up but they do so with a shutout like it's impressive to the eye i don't care what anybody says like when you just look at that louisville beats a top 20 team in their column right in their 
most recent column, Louisville beats number 20 Duke, 23 to zero. No context needed. That's a top right. 15 team, top 12 team. Yep. Yeah, I mean, visually, it's nice to see. Uh, and again, you know, I, I don't want to get into anything about this Duke team was anything less than, than what they could have been. Uh, this is a Duke team that went toe-to-toe at Florida State uh, just last week, uh, it's in there. If anything, they were more healthy against against Louisville. Riley Leonard was moving around well enough to have some quarterback runs that were pretty significant. Uh, all of that is to say, obviously, the shutout is significant in my eyes. You know, twenty three to three, twenty three to seven. We got breaking news. What up? Top twenty five polls are out. Coaches poll. No, AP poll. Sorry, AP poll. Louisville is. Oh, what the fuck? What is this? Fifteenth. That's not the problem. Six hundred and sixty-six votes for the fifteenth yeah. spot. That I that That's... sucks. We need to get one more vote. That Lord, we repent of our sins for six 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 right here. We not us, not I. Passed over us. We our blood is on the door. We did we our thing. Yes, but top fifteen. So that kind of. Ends our conversation there as to what they are. Missouri in front of them, LSU. Really, I mean, it's college football. You can beat anybody on, on any given day. And I don't necessarily look at Ole Miss, Notre Dame, LSU, and Missouri as, you know. These, like, teams. unbeatable foes. Right, right. Yes. Absolutely. It, and if we're – It, it doesn't it, feel like Louisville's that far down. No, no. And, and, you know, next year, if we're in the same position, you're talking about Louisville absolutely being in the playoffs. You know, when, when we get into this 12-team playoff scenario – um, you know, yeah. nothing will be off the table. You know, when you're in 15, that's right. You're absolutely in the, the discussion next year. Uh, you just got to make the top 11 essentially. Uh, and, and less obviously like, uh, I'm trying to think like an air force or, or one of those. Yeah. Know, but I mean, they're top, like in the top 12 already. Uh, yeah, so, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I go up and down this list. I mean, there's a, definitely a formidable top group of teams and I, Louisville's definitely not sniffing that this year. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas. I think that's a really solid grouping. And then you add Oklahoma in there. I mean, I, I'd, in, a, in a three-game series, you would hope that Louisville would beat those teams once, right? Alabama, they're still Alabama this year. I mean, as I just said, you know, they beat Ole Miss 24-10. to 10, And, you know, their, like, quote-unquote down games were, like, beating – who was it, Houston? It was, it was some – weird team that they had like a huge rain delay that Alabama didn't win impressively to start the year, but they're starting to just kind of round in the form. And all of a sudden you look at the sec standings and there's Alabama, right? Right there at the top once again. Um, so yes, to, to not take this down too deep of a rabbit hole. Um, it would be interesting to see Louisville play some of those teams. And if they went out, they're going to play one of those teams. They're going to play uh, in Oregon or in Alabama or Pennsylvania. Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the projections last week were Orange Bowl, Ohio State. I mean, that's, you know, that's big time football. Like, that's what we've been begging for around here is a game like that in January, late December. And this is a team that is built to go far because this isn't just like if we were looking at this each week, like USC beat Cal yesterday, 50 to 49 in a 
last second barn burner, weird protest to start that game. Uh, very weird. Cal Berkeley can't wait to go to a road trip. We talked about that this weekend. Like I'm hoping t- tomorrow on Monday, the day this is released, most likely that we're going to hear Louisville's going to play in Cal Berkeley at some point in the next couple of years. But very weird game there where they win by one. Louisville is not winning that way. Louisville is winning by running the football, playing very solid sound defense, winning on special teams, not giving up big kickoff returns, hitting field goals most of the time. And then they have very strong skill position players and Jamari Thrash and Jaws. And then on defense, you have Jarvis Brownlee, you have Quincy Riley, you have Storm Duck, like you have Cam Kelly, you have Devin Neal, you have a lot of things. By the way, really funny point of the broadcast yesterday, Devin Neal broke up a pass late in the fourth quarter and they told the story on the broadcast of Ron English telling them that after he got Devin Neal got to Louisville, he said he watched him for a practice and was like, this guy sucks, like actively told the broadcast that, but then went on to say that Devin Neal has really become a focal point of this defense, a strong, you know, defender and secondary, um, you know, mate for Jamron Kelly, but it really funny to hear some of those nuances, but this is a team Presley that plays in the trenches, strong offensive line a defensive line that may not get a lot of sacks, but they get a lot of pressure, right? They can bull rush. They can move and dictate another team. They're small, but they are mighty in some places, right? 5'11", Destel is dominating guys and making plays. Jermaine Lole looks healthy. Jared Dawson is back. Mason Riger is Mason Riger. Ashton is balling. Like, you have guys now everywhere on the front four. Then your defensive uh, front seven includes a consistent and strong Ben Perry. Then you have TJ Quinn, who is a machine tackler. He has led the team in tackles almost every game this season. Then you have in the secondary guys like Cam Kelly, who is a surefire tackler. When he gets the chance, he's making the interception. They have depth. They have tackling. They have skill. This is not a, a glamour team that's built off just doing one little sexy thing and they win by this they can play sound football and go far and when i i say all that that puts them in a different echelon of beating teams that maybe we haven't expected them to be able to compete against you know what i mean like yeah. if i don't think this team can go and outscore an organ but i think that that in a game against say a penn state against a florida state even against a LSU, I think this team can play sound enough defense and run the football against anybody to win. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, Jacob, teams are, are or, excuse me, Louisville is winning in all different ways, right? Now, Ben, basically, they get out to a hot start and it's the game is seemingly over or, or out of reach by halftime. Uh, we've we've seen that a lot at home. Now on the road, they've really done a good job of just mucking it up uh, away from home. Uh, Georgia Tech, IU, State, they did a they've done a really good job of winning in different ways, and they've won coming from behind, and they've won by getting ahead and then just pinning their ears back and playing excellent defense. So to your point, if you play in Oregon, you at least have the confidence that you have the playmakers and your coaching staff has the ability to get the playmakers in the position to compete with an Oregon. Uh, same with, you know, same with the Washington, uh, same with the Florida state. Right. But in, by the same token, if you're playing a Michigan, if you're playing Texas or Penn state, uh, you also have the confidence to know that your defense can play with their defense. 
Uh, and that's something that I'm not sure that we've seen uh, in since Lamar Jackson was at Louisville. And as we know, some of those defense, defenses under the early years of Bobby 2.0 were very hit or miss. They'd have a game where they allowed a ton of points and then have a game where they, you know, completely shut somebody down. So Louisville can win in a number of ways. And that is what excites me the most. Um, and, and, you know, just to your point, they, they are, are built to be successful in a number of different ways. Uh, and that's definitely not something that we expected this season. No. And top 25, this is a stat from Mark Blankenbaker's Twitter. Louisville is top 25 in offense, total offense. They're 25th in the country. They're 15th in total defense. Like last year, those numbers, Louisville had a top 20 defense, but they were not an offense that was putting up what Louisville is this year. And I sent you uh, a screenshot the other day in our text messages of a, a stat that I included in an article on stateofloval.com that really stands out to me when you talk about Jack Plummer, right? Because Jack Plummer came in here with the, you know, kind of game manager mentality. And when Louisville has lost this year, they've only lost once, right? But they've snuck out ugly wins against like an Indiana, right? And they've done so and had to do so because Jack has struggled. Here's the statistic that I gave you. Louisville needed BC Notre Dame Jack. He threw for a combined 35 of 45 for 77% completion. What about last night? He was what, 11 of 16? I, I'm mm-hmm. not good at math, but just quickly dividing that, that's a that's a 69 nice uh, percent passer rating. So you're talking again, that kind of that kind of coincides with what I'm telling you here overall. Uh Jack is what he is when he's a game manager like that 35 for 45 77% completion rated uh, percentage 533 yards six touchdowns and zero interceptions that's what he was against Notre Dame and BC games that Louisville won convincingly right they won another one last night very convincingly and Louisville struggles this year or in the games that they've lost so games that they lost or have been decided by seven points or less Jack is a combined 81 of 141 for a 57% completion percentage, 1,121 yards, six touchdowns, three of those against Georgia Tech, and six interceptions. So that's, to me, a guy trying to do too much. When this Louisville team plays to their strengths, it's running the football and then Jack getting the ball to Jamari Thrash, Jack getting the ball to Amari Huggins-Bruce, Jack getting the ball to whatever weapon can do the most with it. And they can play with teams if they they hold on to that mentality they've not always played like that clearly it's how you lose a game like you do in pittsburgh um that's how you have a game like indiana where you don't score any points in the second half it is what it is but if louisville can figure that out they've got virginia tech saturday open the line at uh louisville is 10 and a half point favorites very very favorable line i don't know how i feel about betting that right at this point i'm going to think about that for a couple days mm-hmm. um but then you have Virginia, who has come off two uh, very nice. They beat Miami, right? So two nice wins in a row uh, coming up yes. North Carolina, Miami. So not not the the team we thought that we were going to get. Uh, Sorry, Virginia. Virginia lost to Miami in overtime. Lost over okay in overtime, but still very competitive football game. Thank you for correcting me there. And then you finish with Miami, which is a very tough game on the road. And then you have Kentucky. What do you think? Like where where is Louisville shake out after these next four? I mean. You know, you talked you talked about the thirty thousand foot view um, of the season, and really, uh, there, 
when, when I say that Louisville can play a number of different ways, the outcomes have also been a number of different outcomes, right? They've won low scoring games. They've won really high scoring games. Uh, but the point, point being, you could also, you know, that's the way that I framed it was from a positive fan point of view, right? You could also frame it from a, maybe a national perspective or an overall view of the season as them being inconsistent. And a so loss will find you. Yes. Yeah, so a loss will find you if you're inconsistent. Absolutely. And it felt like Pittsburgh was the sum of just a lot of really stupid things, just adding up and catching up to them. I think that after the, the woeful start against Georgia tech and then the great comeback, uh, I, I think that the team knew and had the confidence that they could just stage a comeback from being down however much. They were down by 10 points on the road in a hostile environment at NC State and came back and won. So they kind of had that um, opinion about themselves, right? They probably should have been up 28 to 10 instead of 21 to 14 against Pitt. And they just let it bite them in the ass over and over again. I would hope that they permanently learn that lesson and didn't just let that kind of sink in just for Duke. Uh, because if not, then you're just you know, another loss against Virginia Tech is going to find you. Virginia Tech is, you know, one of the, the more quickly rising teams in the ACC. And when I look at this from a 30,000 foot view, as you put it, Jacob, my concern for this team is just going to be consistency. They can absolutely finish this season 11 and one, and they have what it takes to go toe to toe with Florida State. With all that being said, if you let those little things get in the way, uh, like they did, uh, you know, at points this season against IU, NC State, Georgia Tech, and Pittsburgh, if you let those little things kind of uh, snowball, if you have dumb turnovers, if you have dumb penalties, if you allow big plays when you shouldn't, those type of things will add up against some of these more quality teams that are coming up. So Virginia Tech and Virginia have proven that even though they're not great teams, they're probably not going to make bowl. Well, Virginia Tech probably will at this point, but maybe like Virginia is not going to make a bowl game. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they aren't going to try to take advantage of every opportunity against on a Thursday night team. Yeah on, yeah. on a short week. Yeah. I mean, yes. so there's, there's slip up opportunity here team again is that I think that they're they're built with the mentality and Josh said they hate losing in his postgame interview he said that this team like really seeds losing and I'm not necessarily sure that years past they've taken that mentality Mm-mm. obviously nobody wants to lose but like what do you do about it when you do this team showed what you do about it you go back and you put in work all right let's check in real quick with Twitter we asked the question what's your reaction what are you doing tell us how you feel this comes from Josh Sorensen he said do you Defensive line depth has been a catalyst for our success in our biggest games this year. And we talked a little bit about that, right? You don't win games without Ashton having two sacks, eight and a half sacks on the year. He's a first round draft pick. Like you cannot convince me otherwise. He is a first round draft pick next season, uh, uh, next year. And this defensive line is thriving with him as the primary pass rusher. And then whoever else chips in, it's an added bonus. Jared Dawson, Jermaine Lole, Jalen Adam, Al- Jalen Alderman, Mason Ryger, uh, Des Tell, like these guys, you, you just, whoever it is, the the one game, like you're, you know, you're going to get a sack or two out of somebody else. And then you're going to get one or two out of Ashton. They're just thriving. They're building more guys that can play. 
and honestly, there's room to grow, right? Like we're not even seeing yeah. the full, like there's, I could name five more guys that could play like Jeff Clark. That, yeah. Jeff yeah. Clark played, he's played a lot. He's played he's great. Very well. Yeah. He's played yeah. really well. I mean, you're not even talking about guys like RJ Sorensen and Raheem Craig and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Stephen Heron has really, I don't even think he has, he's got what one sack on the season. Like yeah. there are so many yeah. guys, Popeye Williams, Adonis J green, so many guys that could still contribute. Cam Wilson, I think only has a half sack. They, they have a ton of depth that's developed. Um, and they have really taken advantage of the cupboard being full there. That was a big criticism of Louisville for a couple of years was not a, enough defensive line depth and, and the mm-hmm. staff, Kudos to them. They recruited well towards the end of their tenure here. Uh, and then Jeff Brom really came in and kind of lit lit a fire. Uh, this one comes from Els for Heisman. Jeff Brom for Coach of the Year, ACC Championship playoffs. Louisville's O-line, D-line are serious. It, it, I agree, of course, with that bottom one. We talked a little about probably out of question at this point. There was the, the – the Twitter, I think it was from one of the college football writers from CBS that said, what do you do with a 12 and one? We talked about that at the beginning. Like if you're a 12 and one Louisville, you've won the conference championship, but you've slipped up somewhere else uh, in the ACC. I, I don't know what you do with that. It's going to be very interesting to see, but well, Louisville's tough. Uh, Jeff Brom, probably ACC front runner uh, for coach of the year. I don't know. There's, there's still so much room to grow for this team. Jaws is not a, probably not a Heisman candidate because this team's not making enough noise. He missed the, you know, essentially missed the Pittsburgh game. I don't know. What do you think? Any of those stand out to you? I mean, the one game that Jaws basically missed, he tried to go and, and, you know, ultimately wasn't able to, to finish the game and Louisville lost. Uh, So, I mean, if anything that could help his resume a little bit, uh, no, I mean, he's Jaws is going to make some national noise. If he puts up 120, 130 yards, uh, you know, on, on multiple occasions coming down the stretch, finishes with 1,300, 1,400 yards on the season, 1,600 all-purpose yards and 15 touchdowns, and Louisville finishes 11-1, and one, he's absolutely going to make some noise. Enough to go to New York? I don't know, but I would say he'll finish in the top 10 in the Heisman voting, uh, which is nothing to scoff at. Uh, I'd say that's pretty significant. Um, yeah, and and to your point, I, I know that a that, uh, guy on Twitter made a lot of you know, pretty solid points and asked a few solid questions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now my focus as a fan, and I think the, the focus of this team is, you know, let's get to the ACC championship. You have every chance. And then, you know, you never know what's going to happen with some of these teams. You never know what's going to happen with Georgia. You never know what's going to happen with, I'm trying to think Michigan. Like what yeah. if something happens with the, with the cheating scandal with Michigan where, you know, they receive a punishment this season. I don't think the NCAA is dumb enough to do that. You know, they don't want to take away any chances to make money off their backs first. They'll go back and proactively uh, – or not proactively. Yeah, uh, but, but reactively take Reactively back, yeah. punish them, take it back after Yeah, and look, man, it, like Florida State still has to play Miami and Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that those two teams are world beaters, but there's still an opportunity in conference and out of a conference for Florida State to – and – a one loss ACC team. I, I, I don't know how to cut that, but again, George, what if Georgia loses? What if, what if this to Auburn? What if LSU drops another one? What if Ole Miss drops a game? What if Oregon drops another game in the PAC 12 championship? Yep. Washington drops a stinker to Washington state in their finale. Like you just never know what can happen in college football. So every option is on the table for this team. Uh, and I think that's the fun part 
I am not the fan that's going to say do X, Y, Z, because you and I, we, we battle about this a little bit, right? I, I like you are like, be there, get your ass in the seat, whatever you have to do. I have two kids. It's very challenging. I have to make intentional moves in my budget to be able to do this each week and each year. The way we are as a college sports society and sports fan base, people get priced out really quickly of games. And so it's really tough. But what I will say is if you are able, if you have friends who could potentially use their vouchers for two free tickets, uh, season ticket holders, if you're not aware, if you have been to every game this season, you have the option to claim two free tickets to a game left on Louisville's schedule. I don't know if Kentucky is still yep. available. I claim yep. two extra seats to Virginia Tech. There are yeah, seats available. Claim those. Virginia, Virginia and Virginia Tech are, are what is available. And the last I checked, there were seats open in the lower bowl where you can purchase seats in the lower bowl. Or not purchase, claim. But for They're free. For, for you free. to take. Exactly. Yeah. So Utilize take advantage that. of that. Yes. You, there's a reason that you pay to be a season ticket holder. And, and that's a huge reason right there. Uh, you get you automatically have your seat for some of the best games on the season. But not only that, Louisville is going to give you some of these perks to, to help uh, facilitate getting others to the game as well. So exactly. if you have a, a, a kid that you want to bring, parent, uh, friend, stranger, doesn't matter. Claim those tickets. Take advantage of that. Louisville's giving you tickets for free when some of yep. these, you know, the, the same ticket might be $70 to $100 on Ticketmaster. On Ticketmaster, right that's right. Uh, Facts, you can, you can get that for free. So go into your My Cardinals account if you've not done so yet and claim those tickets. That's absolutely um, imperative. Do yes. that. And if you don't know what to do with them, if you don't have anybody that you can use them with or give them to, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, tag our socials. We will hand, we will get those tickets into people's hands. Let's pack this place out. I say all of that to say, go on Twitter, tell us you need tickets. We will help find tickets. We yep. want to get as many people in the seats, but we understand life is tough, man. It is tough. Schedules are tough. A three 30 Virginia tech game in the middle of the day can be tough, but let's get out there the best we can to support these guys, because this is what it's all about. Uh, just going out and winning football games like this. It has been a hell of a year. On that note, Press, let's go ahead. Let's get out of here. We've already taken up enough time of people's schedule much earlier than they want to hear from us in the week. Subscribe to the show from the Pink Seeds Podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. State of Louisville Podcast, stateoflouisville.com. Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated. We can't thank you guys enough for supporting us this year. This has been, hands down, our most, most successful season so far. We have... We still have four weeks left in the in the season, and we have outdone every download record we have so far over the last three years as a show. So thank you all for supporting us. We'll catch you later in the week. Virginia Tech Preview, Press, Vince, maybe some special guests. Tune in. We'll see you then. Go Cards.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.